Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. It is team day. Who's having a little fun today? You know, here... uh... We like to incorporate what's actually happening outside of these walls, within these walls, and have a little good time while we're doing that. And so thanks for being a part of our team day. We have hot dogs after, and we'll have some foam for the kids. But adults, if you want to run and you want to do that too, have at it. Um, uh, But, you know, how many of us know that life is a a team game, right? Like, if you think about it, all areas of life, We need people around us. We need a team around us to help us along the way, right? If you're thinking about it when it comes to work, if you're going to excel when it comes to work, that you need a great team around you that can collaborate with you, that can help you lead and get to the next level. How many of us know it, it, it takes some teamwork whenever you're raising some children, right? Like when you're trying to do it all by yourself, oh, it is exhausting, right? Can I get an amen, parents in the room? Right? Like we, in every area of life, we need people around us. We need a team around us so that we can move forward in that direction, move forward where, where God wants us to move and, and do what God is calling us to do. So today, I want to talk to you about how to make the team that you are a part of better. I want to talk to you about how you can make the team the best possible team it can be. If it's in your family life, if it's in work, whatever the case might be, that's what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, I want to point you to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, and this is what Paul is saying. He says this, he makes the whole body, he being God, makes the whole body, meaning the church, body fit together perfectly as each part in its own special work. I want you to highlight, underline, circle those three words, own special work. That God has called you to take seriously your unique role, your unique position, to own that, to embrace the the calling of that, but then that last word that I asked you to underline, work. It takes work. Work is hard. Work can be sweaty. Work can be full of tension. But for us, the starting place for the team is to own our special work. And when we do that, it helps other parts grow Paul says, and so the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. So in other words, if you want to make God's church full of love, do all that it's capable of doing, you have to own your own special work, own what God has called you to do, and be willing to roll up the sleeves, put on the boots, and get after it. Because listen, you're the the only person that can reach the people around you, that can demonstrate the full capacity of God's love in a very real way. So here's the big idea. 
that I want you to take home today, and it's simply this. The team will improve when you improve. The team will improve when you improve. Oftentimes, we want to be on the great team. We want to have fun with the team. We want our team to be winners, unlike my Bengals of last week. Like, we want our team to do well. But our team can't do well unless we're trying to do well. My sons, uh, last year, my oldest, he starts, he's playing baseball, and up to this point, up to last year, he's never really lost. Like, he's competitive to the point where, like, his heart breaks, he melts down, he'll get frustrated, he'll internally bottle it all up and then not want to talk about it. And he comes home from one game, and, and, and he just said something that really caught me and, and knew it is a teaching moment, a coaching moment. He says, yeah, my team. They just, they didn't do very good. We're not any good. And I paused him. I said, Bodie, if you want your team to do good, if you want your team to excel and be the best they can possibly be, guess what you need to do, Bodie? You need to get better. You need to be committed. If you want your family to to be under control financially, you know what you need to do? Maybe you need to stop your spending. If you want your, your work team to, to reach certain goals, maybe you know what you need to do. Wake up early, start studying a little more, work the sales list a little more. You set that precedent. Because when you set that precedent in your life, all you do is you make the team better. So today I want to specifically talk to you about how we can all make this church, our team, our family better. And it's not just, it doesn't lean over to the person on the right or the person on your left. All we're asking us is to review where we are actually standing. Because listen, when we improve, God's church wins. When we make a commitment to say, hey, we can get better, God's church wins. So I want to take you to Luke chapter 19, verse 1. If you've grown up in the church, been around church, maybe you've read through the gospel of Luke, you know that this is a very popular story by this man by the name of Zacchaeus. This is actually Jesus' sixth and final time he mentions a tax collector in the gospel of Luke. And we're going to look at Zacchaeus' sequential process of him being at a starting point and then him ending up in a very potent and, and, and great position ultimately where God wants him to be. So join me, Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10 is our text this morning. Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, meaning this, that that he was very a prominent figure, that he had other tax collectors around him. Tax collectors were considered evil people, outcast of society, because the way they would do business is this. Rome typically would, would charge 23% across their, their reign, their empire. Well, tax collectors were of the people, and they could come in and say, we're actually going to tax our jurisdiction, let's say 30%. So then they would give the 23% over to Rome, and then they would take the 7% and keep it all for themselves. And and they could have whatever numbers that they wanted to wiggle around and and have and and, and grow. So if they wanted to do 10%, they could do that. And so Zacchaeus and other tax collectors were considered 
evil people, considered uh, betrayers, because a lot of times it would be people who are native to that certain area, that certain city, that they would raise up and say, hey, as long as you get Rome's, Rome's, you can keep whatever you get off the top of that. So tax collectors, they weren't very popular in the cities. So he was a chief of the unpopular group, but the very wealthy group. As we continue in verse 2, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased that he has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, and the people grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated anybody on their taxes, I will give them four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So we see this man at one starting point ended up made right with God. So I want to talk to you today about a sequence of what it means to to be all that God has called us to be, to improve ourselves, so in, in fact we can help our team be better. And the starting point is this, we need to resist to remain a fan. What do you mean resist to remain a fan? Like, I'm not supposed to be a fan of my favorite NFL team, I'm not supposed to be a fan of Jesus. Here is the difference, a fan... There's some characteristics, right? They're in for the good time. You can even check out some of these pictures of maybe those Green Bay fans. They kind of look like this, right? You know, you're like a couple grown dudes. Cheesehead, I think that was like Pastor Goss back in the day, you know? Oh, okay, sorry. But you see that and like characteristics of a fan, right? They're in the crowd, they're hanging out, they paint their bodies, there's really no pressure in their lifestyle. But then you can also be like a Bills fan. If I have any Bills fans out there where you have like your significant other paint that Buffalo Bill on your chest and you can be out there in 32 below, you know, be like degree below zero, whatever the case, how cold it might be. You can be out there as a grown man with a furry hat and look, there's no pressure. You know, you can eat all the hot dogs you want, you can drink all the beer you want, you can eat all the food you want, the popcorn you want. No pressure in life. You're just a fan. Or you can be like America's team, the greatest team there are. You know, you got that Bengals team, like, let's go Bengals crowd, let's go my people. And you can still be wallowing from last week's loss, you know, and you can dress up like a cute cat and you can have some of this going on in life. But here's the characteristics of a fan. You know, ultimately, if our team loses, the fan that we're, the, the team that we're cheering on, it doesn't impact us tomorrow, right? 
We go to work like nothing really happened. We, we act like, you know, hey, it is what it is. Our life goes on. There's, there's not a lot of pressure. It's, it, you know, there's, there's not a lot of skin in the game for a fan. In fact, a lot of fans can be very popular. You know, you, they show up to the section and they've, they've had their, their spot for years and they're season ticket holders and, and everybody knows them and they're outfit and, and they're popular to some people. And, and now if you want to go to a game in real life, man, it costs a lot of money, right? Like you're like, ooh, I'm paying this and then you pay that and you like watch your team and you're like, why did I just watch that? And and there's all, and you can have a lot of money and be a fan. You can be a person who has the, the perfect seat, 50-yard line. And yet, there's really no problem. There's no obligation. See, a fan is the person that's sitting up in the crowd. They might have the position, might have great wealth. But at the end of the day, fans aren't on the team. I want us to understand that. You can be the best 12th man today in your living room all by yourself or with the chosen few friends that are cheering on your team. And at the end of the day, you're not on the team. Fans are just that. They're, they cheer on people. When it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to being a part of the team and improving the team, that means you have to get on the team and you can't stay in the crowd. Be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan of Jesus. Some of you are in here today and you've come to church and you're like, man, I don't know if really church is for me. Maybe you got invited. Maybe whatever the case, you're looking for a home church. Our, my hope for you is that you're saying, I, I, I want to be a follower and we want to take you through that process. We want to walk this faith journey with you. We are about being fans at this church, fans of Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus. We see in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus talks to a crowd again. In other words, we can see this crowd as, as fans. And he says this, Then he said to the crowd, the fans, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, give up your own way, pick up your cross, follow me. When it comes to being a part of, of a team, you're saying it's not about being comfortable and cozy, eating all the hot dogs, eating all you want in the crowd. It's saying, I'm not going to be a fan, I'm going to be a follower. It means it's, it's tough, it's challenging, it's work. It's saying, I'm going to give up my position, my status, my comfort, and I'm going to get after it. Being a follower is tough. That's why Jesus says to the crowd, to the fans, don't stay in that position. You know, Zacchaeus, he had the position, he had the fame, he had the popularity, and yet we see something going on in his life where he's not going to remain in the crowd he's resisting the urge to to just stay there and belong in the crowd and and maybe he'll see jesus or maybe he won't or maybe he'll just blend in with everybody and and stick to his wealth no zacchaeus starts to resist to be like everybody else and that leads us to number two today 
when it comes to improving the team. We have to improve ourselves. We need to run to the right position. Run to the right position. You know, many times with a lot of my friends who believed in um, divine election or uh, uh, I guess you'd say predestination or the pre-elect, the selected few, I always wrestled with that thinking, specifically in this text, because they often will bring this text up. And so I have friends on the other side of the aisle who, who think that, hey, God has selected everybody from the early onset of time. The chosen are the chosen, and, and those who aren't chosen, well, hey, it is what it is. It's, it's predestination, and, and we just got to just leave it to that, and at the end of the day, well, and I always struggled with that, especially when they use this text, and they use this text like, oh, Zacchaeus was in the crowd, and, and Jesus called him out of the crowd, but I'm like, I think they missed the part of where Zacchaeus ran to the tree, climbed up on the tree where Jesus was going to go, and Jesus is like, oh, there's Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus left his mansion, left his manor, and he positioned himself to have an encounter with Jesus. Your position matters. As we look in the scriptures, we look in this text, and in Luke chapter 19, verse 4, it says, So he ran ahead, he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, and Jesus was going to pass that way. See, if you want to improve your relationship with Jesus, you've got to start getting in the right position. So many times we, we miss Jesus come on our way because we're in the wrong position. We're focused on the wrong things. We're, we're taking time in the wrong areas. We're in the wrong relationships. We're focused on the wrong career. And in the meantime, Jesus is saying, hey, I want to have an encounter with you, but you're not positioned where he can have that encounter with you. Growing up, uh, I come from a coach's home. I talk about that often. Love sports. I think sports are great. You learn a lot. You build character. And uh, my father, I never understood it growing up. Um, but he, he was never hard on me in the sense of skill level. He was hard on me in the sense of working hard. And one of the rules he always told me before I would go into any practice, anything like this, he would say, hey, Blake, uh, you run anytime you're inside those lines. If it's on the baseball field, you're sprinting. If it's on the basketball court, you're sprinting. I'm like, Dad, like, coach gives us a water break. He says, I don't care if you're on that court. You run over, get water, you drink it quick, you get back in line. So I was like, uh, you know, I never really understood that. I'm like, come on, like, just lose the intensity. And so he, he, this one particular day, I remember uh, I, I'm, I'm out, I'm in the field, coach says water break, and I just kind of jog over, and, and I hear this, hey, you know, and I just like, no, old oh, man, that's my father's voice. And I'm like, I better sprint, better go get me water. I drink it quick, and then he's like, whenever you're done with that, you go stand right next to coach. You get ready for the next drill. And I never understood that. Until years later, I'm like, hey, why were you, you know, like, grown adult, why were you so hard? Why was it like this? He was like, because anytime you're in the right position, the coach remembers that. The coach will say, hey, I'll give that person a shot. Hey, their name is seared in my mind. Hey, they are always there. Hey, they are quick. They are working hard. Right position pays off. And so many times, we just chalk it up to be like, hey, we want to blend in the crowd. We don't want to improve ourselves. Improving ourselves means you're stepping out. I mean, you're going to put yourself in the right position when everybody else is in the wrong position. It means you're going to work hard. It means you're going to sacrifice, hang out time. It's going to be like, hey, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. See, I, I can't stress this enough. Many people want to be noticed by God, but aren't positioning themselves properly. 
capture that. Position matters. You watch a football game, you watch a baseball game. That's why you see in baseball, they have all these shifts in, in the game. Because they study the analytics, they study the averages of where they're going to pull or where they're going to push the ball or hit an opposite field because position matters. We can't just leave it up to saying, hey, I'm just going to be in a position just out of pure luck. Hopefully I have it all figured out. Zacchaeus climbed the tree. We see another story when Elijah is having this moment with God, God calls him to a moment, or God calls him and speaking with him in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah's going through things, wants to have this divine encounter, looking for a divine encounter, searching for a divine encounter with God. And this is what God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And the Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, God spoke in a whisper. Your position does matter. There's something to do. And in other words, if you want to hear God, you got to have some prayer moments in life. If you want to know what the God's Word is saying, what culture is saying, how to navigate culture versus God's Word in this complex, extreme world, guess what you got to do? you got to position yourself in God's Word. If you want relationships, if you feel like you're lonely and they say it's an epidemic and everybody's connected but everybody is so lonely, you know what you need to do? Position yourself in a group. You say, hey, you know, my finances never add up. I'm, I'm struggling here and, and, and things always see like I'm playing catch up week to week, month to month, and I'm in debt, I'm in debt. You know what I would encourage you to do? Position yourself correctly in a generous way with God. We even help you with that from a very macro level. We're launching Financial Peace University today. It's a designed way for us to position ourselves to receive from God. So we improve. We improve one by, by resisting to remain a fan. That would be, I'm a fan. And then we move to the sideline, which would be, hey, we need to, to have the right position to to three is responding correctly. Respond correctly. Your chance will come. Your chance will come in life. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're going to get an opportunity. And then you're going to be hit with this circumstance. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond correctly or are you going to respond in your own way? Some of the wrong responses we have is, you know, I'm too tired to get up today to, to have my alone time with God. Oh, uh, you know, like I feel like I should have this moment to invite this person to lunch with me and, and maybe just share life. I know they're going through something, but hey, you know what? It's too awkward. I don't really know them. Or maybe it's moments where, hey, you know, you're given a chance to, to bless someone financially and you're like, you know what? I need to save that. I'm trying to save up for my, my vacation. There's a wrong way to respond, but look how Zacchaeus responds when he gets the opportunity. When Jesus, let's keep in mind, Zacchaeus does not know Jesus personally at this level. He came by. He looked at Zacchaeus, called him by name Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. This imperative. I must be a guest in your home today. So what's Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. 
He didn't say, oh man, I'll see how I'm feeling. I'm really good up here in this tree. Like I have the whole vantage point. I'm in the box office suite. No, he, he says, Jesus, you said come. I say, I will. And he took Jesus to the house with great excitement and joy. And then in verse 7, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a house, at the house of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Respond correctly. Uh, I, I share this with many people, all of you, and every time when I, when I talk with people one-on-one, in each position that I've held in ministry as a pastor, I started in student ministry, I was then an executive pastor, I did a lot of associate work, and then to now being a lead pastor. Each position I've ever held, there's been someone that's come along and they said, I don't think you're fit for the job, I don't think you can do it, and I don't think that God is right here. And I'd be like, whew, like that's between you and God. And then in my back of my mind, I'm thinking like, hey, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks all those thoughts either, right? Like. I don't think I should be doing this either, but I'm just doing what God's calling me to do. And in other words, when you're responding correctly to how God wants to lead and work in your life, I guarantee you'll have people that are displeased and they grumble by what you are doing. And the worst part of it is, a lot of times it's church folk. It wasn't the other sinners that complained that Jesus was hanging out with the sinners. It was the religious elite saying, oh, he's hanging out with a sinner. When you respond correctly, people aren't going to be huge fans of that. People are going to say, why didn't I get that chance? Why didn't I get that shot? It should have been me. I deserve it. I'm committed. I'm the one that was telling everybody in the town of Jericho that Jesus was coming. Zacchaeus, to this point, didn't even know who Jesus really was. He just knew he was a popular figure and needed something to do on the Saturday. See, the point that we have to understand is that when we respond to Jesus, when we improve to, the, to, to, to ourselves and when we're trying to, I want to get better, you're going to respond in a way, and people aren't going to be big fans of that. You're going to have family members that say, why do you go to church on Sunday? We're, we're cooking out. You're going to have a, a, a business work. Why are you even giving at church? You're going to have people in your life that speak, oh, you're just a Bible thumper. You know, there's, there's people that walk through our neighborhood and people will post and they'll say, oh yeah, I just put signs up there, no Bible thumpers. And I'm always like, hey, you know what? That is, that's par for the course. People aren't going to be pleased when you follow Jesus and you respond to the chance that you're given with Jesus. And then when you prove yourself, when you improve what God has called you to do, you have to rise to the new role. You have to rise to the new role. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll come to the point where we get the chance, Jesus encounter, we're in the right position, we're resisting to be a fan. You have to then rise to the new role. I fundamentally disagree when people say, hey, um, you, you know, there's, there's not a standard. You know, there, there's pressure on us. There's pressure to live like Jesus in a world that despises Jesus. 
It's very easy to get on Facebook and make the comments we make, respond the way we want to respond because someone treats us a certain way, right? There's pressure to say, I got to bite my tongue when this person is showing me so much disrespect. But once you get that chance to follow Jesus, you got to rise to that new role. In sports, who say, hey, you got your shot. You need to rise up. There's numerous illustrations, story after story, of sports figures who maybe weren't feeling good, who maybe just wanted a day off. They give that position up, that playing time up, and then the person who was on the bench steals their starting spot. You have to be able to rise to the new role. It's a challenge. It's a pressure for us. And we have to own that pressure. We have to say, okay, hey, there's some things that I need to work through, some things I need to get done. There's some things I'm in a process of understanding and, and learning. But let's embrace it. Let's, let's own it. Let's say, hey, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm an imperfect person in progress on a faith journey, and I'm figuring things out. But I do know this, that I'm going to follow Jesus He's given me a chance, and he's doing some pretty great work in my life. So when we rise to a, a new role, I'm reminded of this story by this man, Christopher Reeve. You're familiar with him. Up into the age of 42, you can check out this picture. He played Superman, right? He's one of the legendary Superman. And then he has this drastic fall, and he breaks vertebrae. Up to the age of 42 is in 17 featured films. Many of you are familiar with who he is, how he was, or you've learned the story, heard the story. And then he spent the rest of his life in, in a wheelchair because he was paralyzed neck down. What's fascinating, when you read the whole story and you, and you dive into it, there's a moment when he was on his bed coming to a realization. The doctors come in and they share the news with him and they say, hey, you're going to be, uh, you know, paralyzed for the rest of your life. He looks over to his wife, and, and, and he's like, is this even worth it? Like, I'm just done. I'm ready to check out. She gets down on his level, and she goes, every bit, it's worth it. You're still you, and I still love you. It was those comments that saved Christopher Reeve's life when he wanted to give up, cash it all in, say he's done, say he's through. Those words saved his life. The takeaway is this. There are people all around us hurting, struggling, spiritually empty, spiritually dead. Your words, your actions can impact someone's life, can change someone's trajectory can help someone going from a, a person who has an eternity lined up with, with the devil to someone who's saying, hey, my eternity is now in sync with God. People all around us are hurting, church. We need to rise to the new role to say, hey, you know what? God's put me in this person's life to help minister, to say the right words to save a life to do the right actions, to lead someone to an encounter, a very real encounter with Jesus. So I love the, the highlight of this story comes in, in Luke 19, 10, when, when it's simply put this way, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. 
See, our team improves when we improve and we understand that Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. So we do that and we help out. We improve ourselves by our actions. We do that by our words. We do this by biting. We do this by living generously. We do this by being involved. And then Matthew 5, 16, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. As we close, I want to turn your attention. You should have gotten a, a serve card on your chair. We, we say this quite often that we're an action-oriented church. And uh, a serve card is there. Many of us are serving. Many of us, I think, when we looked at our teams and looked at some things um, we have over 200 some people serving in God's church but my hope it's ambition ambitious my, my desire is that each and every one of us are serving in God's church that we're rising to the new role that we're just not someone that's a fan that's remaining in the crowd but we're someone that's hey like hey what can we do to be a part of the team and part of that, the step is of improvement. How, how am I serving? How am I being a part? Am I helping out in, in student ministries? Have I gone through culture course? It's coming up here in October. Have I involved in kids? Am I living a generous lifestyle? Am I getting involved in the tech team, in the sound team, worship, special events? How am I helping the team improve? The starting place for us is to evaluate, hey, right now in my life, Am I doing what God's called me to do? Am I improving myself? And, and, and am I committed to what I just... Look, we're not just about serving our church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday. There's options to say, hey, let's be the hands and feet of Jesus outside of these walls. But part of improving ourselves is saying, hey, we need to be people that serve as well. So the first step is this. We improve our team when, when say, hey, we... We commit to Jesus. That's your first step for personal improvement. When you commit to Jesus and you make him the Lord and leader of your life, when you believe that he went to the cross for your sin, that God raised him three days from the grave, and that he's ascended and give us his Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us, Scripture says you are saved. So here in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer for those who want to accept Jesus. But then there are those who right now are maybe staying in the fan section. You're not involved like you should be. You're not involved like God wants you to be. You're not rising to the role that's been presented to you. And that's my challenge, that's my encouragement for you, is to step out in a way God wants you to go and what God wants for your life. Because listen, church, when we improve personally, do the steps God's called us to do, the whole church wins, right? The love of God is declared. Lives are changed. People are impacted. Zacchaeus, his life was drastically changed. What's he go do? He goes and pays back four times any of those people he wronged. And he goes and he gives half his money to the poor. Radical transformation takes place in his life. He rose to the new world. So today, maybe wherever you're at, question to you is, what role do you need to rise to?
Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Lord, we give you this time right now. We say thank you for us to be able to celebrate all your good works, all your good deeds in our life. Lord, we're praying specifically for the first group of people that need to join the team. The first step of personal improvement is to accept you as your son, as the Lord and leader of their life. Lord, we understand they might have some questions, might be some, be some confusion, Lord. There, there might be some uh, big uh, faith obstacles, but Lord, the starting point for them is just to say yes to you and that they don't want to remain a fan of life, but they want to be a follower of Jesus. So Lord, we're specifically praying for those individuals right now. God, we're praying for those individuals right now who are maybe at the lid with their faith, who are struggling in their faith, who are going through some questions and and hurts and pains and and just feel flat and plateaued. Lord, we're praying that they rise to the new role, that they position themselves, that they resist to be a fan, that they continue to be a follower in all capacities. Lord, we're praying right now specifically for those individuals that you give them more motivation, that you give them more inspiration and help them to become all you've called him to be. Lord, we call on your name right now. We worship you. We praise you in your great and holy name. We all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.